I'm very sure you have an important life, but whatever you are doing, stop and pay attention. It's the afternoon, a podcast with Brent and Robbie. You are getting to name Sunday School Billy's baby. He's mm. he's, he's nodding his head. He's very excited Absolutely. about this. Absolutely. Let's do it. A vaguely ethnic Robbie is, is in the house tonight, Brent. I don't even really like pancakes that much, but you're making me so angry because you're making all the wrong decisions when you eat your pancakes, Robbie. Welcome to the Afternooner Sports Podcast. I'm Robbie Bolton. With me, as always, is Brent Klein. Robbie, you're sounding just a smidge better. A smidge better, but yeah. you're, you're still you're still sick, or I should say, you're still suffering from the after effects of this nasty illness. I've been without fever for a week now, so I don't think I'm sick anymore. But yeah, I've still got some kind of uh, sore throat, touch of a cough thing going on still. As always, Sunday School Billy is with us. Billy, do you feel proud of yourself that we were in the Dwayne Skeen Memorial Studio with Robbie two straight weeks and we did not get his sickness? That is something to be proud about. I am fighting off a bit of a cold, but it's certainly not nearly as bad as what Robbie's been going through. But Robbie, you may sound a little sick, but you look as peachy as ever. Thank you, Billy. And I, I do want to throw in there that Sunday School Billy is wearing a t-shirt with uh, comic book superheroes on it. Drawn G- by your wife. G.I. Joe's. Of G. which Joe's. you are one of the G.I. Joe action figures. Absolutely. And these are accurate to the, I don't know if it was an 80s or 90s G.I. Joe cartoon. 80s. 80s. Did you grow up on that, Brent? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. definitely. So do you recognize the, like, who we're supposed to be? Do you know the names of? Uh, I mean, I'm sure, like, some of the 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 sailor, what was a sailor's name? Like, I have got nothing. I, I don't I, know. I'm trying to remember the commercial. I'm trying to remember the commercial. Wasn't there like a G.I. Joe, the more you know yeah, kind of thing? That was at the end of every episode. Yeah, okay. Yo, Joe, he'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe, a real oh. American hero. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe is a special operations unit meant to covertly spread communism throughout the United States with toy purchases <laughs> that none of the slack-jawed Americans will ever notice. Who uh, Was it the bad guy's name? Cobra? Cobra. Do you Cobra. really not know that, Robbie? I mean, it's, I was more of a Transformers guy. The original Transformers, not the, uh, the you know, repackaged movie version of the Transformers the last five years. I grew up on Transformers Beast Wars. I don't know if you guys ever saw that, but it was CGI really... Poor quality by today's standards, but Optimus Prime was a actually Optimus Primal was a gorilla. There's a Velociraptor. He was sort of the edgy, gritty one. Wait, so is this like Transformers meets Jurassic Park? Uh, yeah, they're sort of stuck on like a primitive Earth, and they're all animals. Rat Trap. He was the snarky, funny one. So you were raised on toys that don't even have like a um, like a nostalgia factor for collectors. Like yours was just like derivatives of actual like like transformers and gi joes were sort of i mean that was an era 
And you were just getting the like dregs of an attempt to carry on an era that had long since died. <laughs> well, no, Transformers Beast Wars was pretty popular. It went on for several years, if not like four or five, maybe eight. Who knows? And it was fun. I also grew up on Ninja Turtles. Still have my Ninja Turtles pillowcase because I'm not 30 yet. And may that day never come. May that day. Oh, what is? Uh, that? I, I, I more I more meant, you know, you find some sort of wizard who is able to grant you eternal life. But Billy, if we've learned anything, no, from I, the Sybil, you've got to ask for eternal yes, youth as well. Yes, or I will end up as a thinking pile of ash. Exactly, like the Sybil, because she wished for eternal life, but her body kept aging but she was still alive until she was just like a pile of ash. Yeah, like in a jar. Yeah. A living pile of ash, yes, though. Correct. Yes, correct. So she didn't wish for eternal youth as well. Read the Aeneid, won't you? I think I was supposed to have read it at one point. Hey, speaking of the Aeneid, as well as G.I. Joe, you're one week closer to having a baby, Billy. Yeah, it's uh, 12 days away. I mean, to the, to the due date. It's very exciting. Very scary. Yeah, that's a that's a fair emotion. That's a healthy emotion to have. Robbie, do you remember being scared before the birth of your first child? Oh yeah, I yeah I remember being uh, just on edge. You're just waiting for the day. You're thinking, you know, when you're like two weeks out of the due date, you're thinking, oh, it could happen anytime. And with our first one, my wife was two weeks late. So I, every day for like a month, I'm just thinking, this could be it. My life could end today. End as I know it. Well, it it sort of does, it not does. in a bad way. Yeah. But that means like Billy is in the death throes of a previous existence that he knows like these days are throwaway days because once this baby comes, it's going to be something new. His, oh I mean, his entire life orbits oh in a gosh. different in a different way. What, but the, what have I done? <laughs> but it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful nothing but a wonderful thing. No regrets whatsoever. Oh, well, that. Yeah, that turns things around. Then <laughs> He was close to the edge there. Yeah. We brought him back. Thanks, guys. You're welcome, Annie. No, we're still trying to figure out names. Like that's a challenging thing. I mean, we've we've pretty much settled on a first name, but you know, I I just I keep going back and forth on it. So, and you're having a girl. Yep. But you're not telling anybody what the name is. With partially because we've struggled, especially with the middle name. We we really aren't settled on a middle name. We're more settled on a first name. But yeah, it's it's tough. And you're not going to drop that for all the aftergooners out there right now. Actually, Breaking news. Actually, guys. Yeah, we're. We're not going to do that. Just put it in the last, uh, you know, the end of the podcast, you usually say something like, bye-bye. Yeah. Uh, just whisper it at the very end of this week's podcast or next week's podcast. If sure. the baby hasn't come by next week, I think you should throw it out there. Uh, what what do this? they call that? It's like when there's a hidden track yeah. on a grunge CD from the mid-90s. What? I think they call it a hidden track. Yeah, that's exactly what they call it. And Robbie, I'll promise this. At the end of today's episode, I will whisper a girl's name. Excellent. I'll take it. I'll take it. Great. Or you could, uh, in some way, you know, cryptically make some sort of riddle in mm. the middle of the podcast that's all but unsolvable, except the most unhealthily obsessed after Gooners, and then just let them try and solve it for two weeks. You know what? I'm going to do you one better. So, actually, guys, this week's sponsor is Hasbro, who owns G.I. Joe Toys. So, folks, if you go online and you type in that female name that I whisper to Hasbro.com, they're going to be a 10% off of all Transformers Beast Wars toys. <laughs> if I know Billy and Annie, I believe that uh, that baby girl is going to be named Lady J after the G.I. Joe figure. Did I just give it away? You'll have to wait and find out, bro. Or is it Baroness? 
or Scarlet. <laughs> it's actually Baroness Scarlet. <laughs> so, Robbie, you're holding a large book. I am holding a large book. And I book. am curious about this. I really don't know what it is or what you're planning on doing I mean, with it. Uh, I mean, Brent, I am a librarian. I mean, Re- I think... What? Wait, 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 our- wait, 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 wait. This entire time, I thought you ran an ice cream cart. What do you do on campus, and why are you always pushing that cart? <laughs> um, and I know this is going to come as a shock to most of our after-gooners who just assume a librarian is carrying books around with them all the time. Uh, but this is the first time I think I've ever brought a book to the podcast before. Hmm. Congratulations. You, you bring ice cream all the time. <laughs> Found your ice cream cart. Got those bells on it and everything. That's, uh, that's during my summertime off, Brent. Ding, ding. Here comes Robbie. And it's an ice cream bike. Okay. I'm, my apologies. Um, but uh, a week or so ago, uh, faithful after-gooner Jeff Bilbro tweeted at us and said, hey, I've got, a, I've got a gift for you from a bookstore. That's what his tweet sounded like when I read it. <laughs> and uh, he said he went to King Books in Detroit, which is... Uh, one of the one of the more famous bookstores in the country. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but it's at least one of the uh, most iconic bookstores in the state of Michigan. Mm. Do um, they sell ice cream? You know, I honestly don't know. Maybe that's why I actually haven't been there myself. But anyway, we have. I have this thick book in front of me, and I'm gonna. I'll tweet out a picture uh, before the podcast post. But it's probably about four inches thick, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's a very thick book. Mm-hmm. Very hardbound. D- very dense book. <laughs> It says here, the baseball encyclopedia, the complete and official record of Major League Baseball. Now, Jeff Bilbrow gave this to us, and he he said, I want you to keep this in the Dwayne Ski Memorial Studios all the time. So it will be there when you record your podcast. And I said, what is your goal here? Do you hope that just by osmosis, we might talk about baseball more during the podcast if we have such a large bound volume of baseball stats and knowledge? Eh, he more or less said yes. That is his hope. And I've added a little, t- an afternoon or touch to the, the book. <laughs> you, I, mean, you, you defaced it. Yes, I put this afternooner sticker on it. So if there's any doubt of who this book belongs to, it does belong to the Afternooner Sports Podcast. And I don't, I don't know what to do with it beyond that. I would see how old this book is. It's pretty fantastic. That it's, sticker it's, goes really well with the cover. The sticker goes very well. It's the third edition. This is from 1976. A great year. The year I was born. Whoa. Yeah. I don't think there's any coincidence there. No. That's, that's... This is fate. It was destined to come into my possession. How about we do this? We're talking about names with Billy's child. Mm-hmm. You now have an encyclopedia. Now he's having a girl. Cookie Rojas. Cookie. It's the first name I turn to. Cookie Rojas. Rojas? Rojas. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you rolling your R? <laughs> Did I stutter? <laughs> Rojas. Oh you sound like someone about to drown. Uh, his, his real name, Octavio Rivas Rojas. That's uh, even better. That's a Cookie great name. Rojas. Yeah, so, that, no, this is good. So, Cookie Rojas. 14 stone. years in the major leagues, 1,695 games, 24 triples. During that time, 17 hits as a pinch hitter. Are you looking up to see if Cookie is dead, Billy? No, I'm not. Do you, Sorry, should I be? Uh, well, Cookie's I, career ended in 75. Not necessarily dead. Yeah, he could be alive. So here's the thing. How about if Billy or I save 
either you or Annie mm. from mortal danger at any point before the birth of the child, you agree to name this child Cookie Rojas Stone. And if not, what do we get? You get to name it what you want. No, we already <laughs> get to name it what we want. We saved your life. We'll see if that happens. Well, that's what I'm saying. If we save your life, you agree as a reward for saving your life to name your kid Cookie Rojas Stone. So if I don't agree to this and we are mortally in danger. Yeah, we're letting you die. Okay. That's... Lovely wife Annie, call in at 517-798-6187 and let us know if you agree to these terms. After Gooners, you can call in too. Let us know what name, uh, if you like the name Cookie Rojas, or if you have any suggestions that Brent or I should have in our pocket in the, uh, the I, I was going to say unlikely event, but I think likely. in the likely scenario that we save their lives in the next week or so. Especially when one of us gets in the car and attempts <laughs> to run them over while the other one is Johnny on the spot to save their life. So it might be the end of the Afternoons or Sports Podcast as we know it. Yeah, but it's the beginning of Cookie Rojas Stone as we know her. What a glorious way to end a podcast. Generally, podcasts end over like one podcast, you know, murdering another one or something like that. But this one is over the birth of a beautiful baby girl named Cookie Rojas Stone. I have one. These, these names are on the same page. I've turned to just one page Page 1,281. Cookie <laughs> Rojas is on the top. Fact check that. Fact that. Check that. The Encyclopedia of Baseball History on page 1,281. This is the third edition published in 1976, just so to help you find it. But a few entries before Cookie Rojas, hmm. I'm stumbling onto a player who only played one season in 1938 for Brooklyn only appeared in 23 games in his entire career. His name is Packy Rogers. <laughs> Packy is in P-A-C-K-Y, Packy. So not even like Pachyderm. His real name is Stanley Frank Rogers, but he was born Stanley Frank Hazinski mm. from Sawyersville, Pennsylvania. We uh, Packy Rogers. As fun as, it, as fun as these names are, Robbie, we're talking about baseball way too much for my this is This is actually the most... Baseball we've ever and I, spoken. I want to respect the message that we have said we're going to deliver to the after Gooners, and that's a baseball-free sports message. You're right, but can I just can I just say before we go how much I admire old-time baseball nicknames, Packy Rogers and Cookie Rojas, right? Like, name me a modern baseball player who has a better nickname, and it's a nickname like Magic Johnson, one that they're actually like known by. So it's not some you know, well, you know, Tom Brady's known as the greatest. No, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about Packy Rogers and Cookie Rojas. But Robbie, I think feel like breaking news. You've got another name for us. Just, Get ready, Billy. Here it just we go. Gets, it just gets better. And this also has cross gender appeal. It also has cross gender appeal, Billy. So mm, perk on. those ears up over there. Bunny Fabrique. Bunny Fabrique. Albert Laverne Fabrique. Love it. From from. Clinton, Michigan, about 40 minutes away from us. Okay, so we'll give you your choice. After Gruner's out there, you are getting to name Sunday School Billy's baby. He's, mm. he's, he's nodding his head. He's very excited Absolutely. about this. Absolutely. Let's do it. Are we going with Packy Rogers? Packy Rogers. Cookie Rojas. Cookie Rojas. Or Bunny Fabrique. Bunny Fabrique. Those are all, like, you just can't go wrong. I have never wanted a bus to almost hit you more in my life. 
<laughs> well, we can let's let's revisit this subject after I almost get hit by a bus and you bravely save my life. Without get uh, here's the thing. Hmm. If I push you out from from in front of that bus and I myself am clipped by the bus hmm. and I'm now lying in the street and it's clear, you know, the death rattle is in my lungs and you are bending over top of me. Mm-hmm. And and trying to say, stay with us, Brent. Stay with us. Mm-hmm. And the, I don't care about anything. I don't care about my wife yeah. or kids. I don't care about anything that's, besides. That's the man I know. Look. <laughs> all, I care, all I care about is Bunny Fabrique, Cookie Rojas, or Packy Rogers. Do you at that point agree to name your daughter one of those three names? You know good and well. That I'm absolutely telling you as you lay there dying. Yes, Brent, of, of course. Anything you want. Shh. Shh. Here's the thing. If you make that promise and then don't do it, I will haunt you. And it's not going to be the fun kind of haunting where you're like in a meeting and I'm like undoing your belt or something like that. It's going to be scary. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be scary haunting. Is that from a movie? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Your pants would fall down in the meeting. Listen, I would rather be not fun haunted by Brent Klein's ghost than name my daughter Cookie Rojas. What is the most terrifying form that I could haunt you with after you lied to me in my dying moments about naming your kid Bunny Fabrique? Right, just, you know, kind of what you look like now, but a little more dead. (laughs) So not as like a six-foot rabbit from France? I don't know what a six-foot... Rabbit from France looks like as opposed to an American six foot rabbit. But... He's got a beret. He's probably smoking uh, oh, a cigarette. Oh, just some sort of cartoony. Wearing a striped shirt. Probably got a baguette over his shoulder, like some sort of rifle. Certainly look, would terrify me. <laughs> We're sorry. Right. That's, I... that's fun haunting yeah. Bunny Fabrique. You don't want to see Bunny Fabrique when when the haunting gets real. I I have to bring us back to baseball for a moment, guys. You got another name for us? I have a few, and I'm going to close with this because, honestly, you might have to finish the last 40 minutes of the show without me. (laughs) I'm just going to be over here in the corner looking up all these old-timey names. But, Billy, we have Urbane Pickering. Mm. Urbane. Urbane Henry Pickering, who uh, went by Dick. Yeah. The name Dick. Great. We're Um, still talking about baseball. John John David Milner. John Milner, whose nickname was Hammer. Ooh, Hammer Milner. Right below him, we have Mike Milosevic, whose nickname is Molly. Oh, Molly, hey, there you Molly go. Milosevic. I like the way you get like vaguely ethnic whenever you say some of these names. Yeah, uh, vaguely ethnic Robbie is, is in the house tonight, Brent. I want to say, these are. I, I appreciate your research. I appre- appreciate your diligence. But Bunny Fabrique, Cookie Rojas, and Packy Rogers. Well, I have one more that right. might. This okay. is the last one. I'm going to close with this one. And I'm going to read the full name first. Saturnino Orestes Arieta Armas Minoso. There it is. There's the vaguely ethnic Robbie. From Havana. Mini Minoso. Mini Minoso. Listen, I'm not saying that I want to stop talking about names. I'm just saying, Robbie, that I want you to put this book away and let's move on to something non-baseball related. All right, Sunday School Billy, can you move that book over to that prominent place in that window there? Absolutely. Can we um, can we just try and raise our children, all of our children, that like if you're going to call kids names, don't just do potty talk, do old-timey baseball nicknames. Like just start calling a kid on the playground Mini Minosa. And no one will know what that means, 
but at least it shows a little bit of cleverness. So is this when you're really frustrated with your ch- children and uh, instead of yelling expletives at them, you yell, what the mini Minosa are you doing? Exactly. So I uh, I was foam rolling my, my leg uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, it was hurting. And so I needed to shout something out. The kids were around. So I shouted out, Mama Brown. And I don't know what that means, and I don't know if it came from any place. If 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 it comes from someplace, it's subliminal. But now my, my oldest son has started yelling "Mama Brown" when he's like frustrated uh, or you know trying to do something can't do it. Mama Brown. Mama Brown. Mama Brown. If there, if there's something horrible about that, I will edit this out of the podcast. But as of right now, I don't know if Mama Brown. I'll look into it. Okay. <laughs> All right, so it's funny that, you know, I wasn't planning when we opened that baseball encyclopedia that we're going to talk about choosing a base a baby name for Billy and Annie's daughter from uh, a 1920s baseball player. But it seems like we stumbled onto that with Bunny Fabrique. Mama Brown is a Wellington-based eclectic mix of Mexican food and American food, from buttermilk pancakes to sliders and tacos. Go to mamabrown.com, type in Brent Klein. <laughs> Wait, that's the first thing that came up on Google? Yeah. It's okay. actually, and then there's Mama, Mama Brown's BBQ in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, not uh-huh. Michigan. And then. All right, I'm safe. Man, what yeah, I wouldn't give for some buttermilk pancakes right now with some syrup. I know it would probably get the mixer and our computer a little sticky with all the syrup, but it'd be totally worth it. How excited would you be if you walked into a diner? And you knew that the waitress that was going to serve you buttermilk pancakes was named Bunny Fabrique. You know you're in a place where those pancakes are going to be good. Mama Brown's out in the back cooking pancakes that Bunny Fabrique is going to bring to you. I bet you want some molasses for those pancakes, don't you? No, and I don't want molasses. I want the buttermilk pancakes. I want Mrs. Butterworth's. I actually don't really know what molasses is, but did you guys know? That's like a healthy alternative to syrup. Do you know it's about not the great? Healthy. Do you know about the great molasses disaster? It killed like eighty people. I want to hear more about that after I say that I actually like the fruit, you know, the fruit toppings on pancakes. I really enjoy that, like strawberry juices. Can I tell you what I like to do with my pancakes? I would like to get buttermilk pancakes. I got to get it three stack high, three stack high, and I butter each layer, you know, so there's every layer is touched with butter. Oh, okay. If that was unclear. I just want to make sure that was clear. I'm glad we're on the same page. And Wait, can I ask a real quick question? Do you spread the butter with a knife or do you just sort of throw it, and then just ram it with some kind of rock? Uh, I use a knife. Okay. I use, uh, no, I'm serious. I think it's a down. fair question because I've seen a lot of people do this. They take a little hunk of butter and they just put it right in the center of each pancake and then cover it up. And that's psychotic. I, why? What's the point? You're going to get 80% of the pancake with no butter on it. And then sure, is that one, that 20% of the pancake a glorious bite? Yes, it is. But you've ruined the other 80% of the pancake by not buttering it. You've so, got to get tons of butter on the pancake. So yeah, I could make sure every square inch of each the service area of each pancake is covered in butter. Absolutely. Got to do it right away so it melts in. It's got to melt in. Then I take a layer of brown sugar on each of those two bottom pancakes. No. And then on the top, then I put my syrup over all the top and drench it so it's all covered in syrup. See, I take... My wife tells me this is not good for me. No, you, you need to get your syrup like you get your salad dressing, and that's on the side. Otherwise, the pancake becomes way too soggy. Uh, that's but No, that's how I like it. Wait, wait, wait. For, like You're talking about ordering. 
I've never seen pancakes not come with the syrup on the side. Well, no. And you don't necessarily need to order it, but like if you're at a friend's house and they make you pancakes, they just start pouring it all. Here you go. Here's all your, here's your brown sugar. Here's your syrup. Here's no, breakfast I just the, got up early and made for you. I'll take it on Go the ahead side. and complain about how much syrup I'm putting on it, I'll Billy. take it on the side. I don't even like pancakes. That's why you have to go with a fruit topping. It makes it a lot more enjoyable. Damn, Maybe right. chocolate chips. Mix those in there. So, Billy, good. are you one of those people that has your syrup on the side, and before you take a bite of pancake, you just dip your fork in syrup and then take a bite? No. I put pancake on my fork, like a bite-sized piece of pancake, and dip that in the syrup. But I'm not soaking my entire pancake in... Like pancakes are just food sponges. You got to yeah, put like a gallon perfect, of syrup on perfect. it. No, then they're just like soggy. No. You know what? Unacceptable. I, I want, and I like the cheap syrup. I don't want, oh my you know, some homemade maple syrup because it's so expensive. It's so expensive. I, you don't need it. It costs more than the pancakes themselves. I don't even really like pancakes that much, but you're making me so angry because you're making all the wrong decisions when you eat your pancakes, Robbie. Look, here's the only thing you need to look up right now. Look up this molasses disaster. I, I did. I it's, think it was in Boston. Yeah, and it, it was. killed a lot of people. Killed and it 21 was, people. It injured 150. Was this it, recently? No. It was, 1919. It was just like a wall of molasses that like exploded in a factory and then just slowly moved down the street and then suffocated people. In the north end neighborhood of Boston, Massachusetts, a large molasses storage tank burst and a wave of molasses rushed through the streets at an estimated 35 miles an hour. Okay, so not a slow-moving molasses, a quick-moving molasses. The event entered local folklore for decades afterwards. Residents claim that on hot summer days, the area still smelled of molasses. What would be even better is if, like, instead of, like, they said it entered folklore, but it'd even be better if it just, like, didn't. Like, people just forgot about it. Hey, (laughs) didn't there used to be a huge, horrifying tragedy with molasses? Nope. Not this town. I'd remember something like that. Cleanup crews used salt water from a fireboat to wash the molasses away and used sand to try to absorb it. The harbor was brown with, with molasses until summer. This happened in January, and uh, the cleanup in the immediate area took weeks, with more than 300 people contributing. Can you imagine drowning in molasses? Like, how just angry you would be. Like, I can't believe this is the way I'm going. This might be the stupidest stupidest way to die. I mean, most of the people that died had to have been in the factory itself, right? Listen, listen to this. Rescue workers, cleanup crews, and sightseers had tracked molasses through the streets, spread it to subway platforms, seats inside trains and streetcars, pay telephone handsets, homes, countless other places. Everything in Bostonian touched was sticky. That's a quote from the, the newspaper at the time. So what, what year is this? 1919, 16, 1916. Do you guys want to know the occupations of the people who died? Naturally. These are the names. Patrick Breen was a laborer. William Brogan was a teamster. Bridget Clawherty was a homemaker. Stephen Clawherty was unemployed. That seems unnecessary to state. But Bridget was 16. Just piling on at that point. Uh, John Callahan was a paver. Maria Distacio was only a kid. William Duffy, laborer. Blacksmith, Peter Francis. Flaminio Gallerani was a driver. So wait, so there was a child killed in this. It looks like two 10-year-olds. So they obviously weren't in the factory. So they these people were killed yeah, in the streets. Yeah, in the streets. I, I mean, are there any pictures of, of, uh, it's of pretty, the incident or the aftermath? I mean, it's, there's some of the factory, but they're pretty sparse in terms of pictures. Just a lot of destruction. Well, I yeah, think probably because the photographers aren't going to get there quickly enough. I mean, sure. it's moving at 35 miles an hour down the street, this... 
uh, flood of ma- molasses. That means at some point, someone is standing in the street, and the molasses comes racing down, and it only gets up to their neck, and they survive. And then you're just standing neck deep in molasses. That's I, that's I'm, quite an experience. I, well, it's an interesting situation, because if it's neck high and still moving... It's, it's moving you. It's moving you, and like yeah. you're not able to stay upright. And it's probably heavy too. Right? It's like, heavier it's than just, water. And like it's on your clothes. So I mean, I think if it's at your neck, it's just pulling you down, and there's nothing you can do. And I can't think of a more horrifying way. You're to probably die. not swimming in that, right? No. Well, okay. So let's. Whoever's at the very edge, that if they were just a couple sure, feet like closer, knee deep or something. What is your thought? You're just like, wow, I almost was killed by molasses, and yet I wasn't. Like, what's stranger? Like, I would have been killed my, by molasses, or I was this close to being killed by molasses? Well, I certainly know what's worse. Oh, my gosh. Because you know, like, in your in those last moments, you're probably not thinking about this, but if you do, it does cross your mind, it's just a very depressing thought that, like, people are only going to think about this as the craziest thing. that No one's going to think, of course it's a tragedy, but they're only going to think about it as the just this insane, unlucky event. For $10, we can get a children's book, The Great Molasses Flood. It's a reader level three. A children's book on the molasses flood. Planet, so Planet reader level three. So I'm going to say this. So I have my son who's in the first grade, and they invite parents to come in. Robbie, I want to melcat this book for our library. I am going to take that library to my son's first grade class, and I am going to read them this. How many pages are in this no, book? Yeah, if it's a, if it's a reader... I mean, I didn't, I didn't quite, I didn't catch the level. But if it's a reader, it might be a, it might be like five pages with like one sentence on each page. I'm gonna try and milk might, that. You, you, you wouldn't even say it's a picture book. Well, try and Google books it so we can see how many words are on a page or what a level three reader means. I'm just gonna get all of the great molasses. Get get books. as much material yeah. as you can, Robbie. Do you think that my son's first grade teacher shuts this thing down? As I read about the Great Molasses Flood. I mean, it's a children's book, so it's probably not going into great detail. But it should it should yield a great discussion time with the kids of like so many questions. All the questions we're having, I expect uh, seven and eight year olds would also be asking. And then I don't know what that says about hey uh, kids. What's the worst liquid you would want to drown in? (laughs) What's worse than molasses? Wait, can we think of something worse than molasses? Well, I think lava? The, I think the viscosity of molasses really does make it. Yeah, like I don't. You don't drown from lava though. You just you, you, you probably you just burn, burn up. Uh, but oil, like uh, motor oil, since you said you use the word viscosity, oh, yeah, motor oil would be awful. There's that scene from uh, was that movie Three Kings with Marky Mark and Ice Cube and George Clooney and yeah. Marky Mark's kind of being tortured. Uh, they're make, trying. They're making him drink motor oil. I don't remember that scene. It's actually a really good movie. I'd it, recommend. It was it. well reviewed. Um, but I don't. I don't remember that scene. Yeah, I, I molasses, motor oil, any kind of oil like castor oil. So we were kind of putting molasses into the oil category. Is there a non-oil that would not be pleasant, or well, like would be in the same like category of like oh no, like hot? Ugh. What about just really hot water? Yeah, I mean, but that's kind of like lava. Is like it's you're probably going to be. It's the yeah, heat that's going to kill though. you. I don't mean boiling. This is, but yeah, just so like, like uncomfortably warm. Exactly. Or Kool-Aid. What if it's like... like Something pleasant. Or like Sunny D, where you're just uh, like, ah, oh, come on, man. Like, this is the most disrespectful drink you can offer a house guest. Sunny D is like telling them, please drink this poison. I, I really want it to be Kool-Aid, so we get the Kool-Aid man busting through a wall somewhere celebrating my demise. <laughs> this is going to be a great discussion to have with the kids. 
<laughs> after I read The Great Molasses Flood. So when the teacher contacts you, ask the teacher if, uh, hey, can my two friends come with the recording equipment <laughs> So for our podcast? And when she says, what podcast? you like, you know, the podcast that was in the parade, Memorial Day parade last year. I'm sure you were there. We made our children run around passing out business cards. How about this? How, <laughs> how about if she asks me, what book are you planning on reading? I write back, none of your business. And then if- no, you're right. Yeah, who's the English professor here? That's that's what your response. Or just don't censor me. And then if she still lets me into the classroom, I think we're golden. This is going to be great. You know, when when your son gets passed on to, uh, he's at first grade right now? Yeah. When he goes to second grade next year, the, the file that gets passed on to a second grade teacher would just be about, don't invite father to read to class. <laughs> well, my wife... Uh, volunteers for a few hours in the classroom every week. And you're going to undo all the goodwill that she's built well, up. Well, it just, it just means I have a lot of goodwill, which means that molasses book has to get pretty intense for all of my wife's work to be thrown out the window. I think I think the teacher's just like, just... I believe in you, Brent. I believe in, you could do that. Hang in there. <laughs> we'll let you know how the great... I, I seriously will read about the Great Molasses Flood if we can get... If it's an appropriate, like, length book... Uh, I'll do it. All right. On that note, uh, you know, we weren't planning on spending most of the show talking about baby names, but we did receive a Facebook message from uh, an after Gooner this week that is uh, very appropriate. So I'm going to read it to both of you now. Dear Afternooners, thanks for putting on such a great sports show. My question is this. My wife, Jocasta, had a baby. <laughs> And we still haven't decided on a proper name. That was 16 months ago. <laughs> so far, I've just been addressing the baby like, hey, you, or you, leave me alone, or go bother mother. I keep suggesting Oedipus, but Jocasta thinks that's a horrible idea. <laughs> For good reason. We agree to a compromise. I get to pick the name, but it cannot be from mythology. So I'm wondering if it's legal to name the baby something like, quote, XXTTT-9 or the greater than symbol or possibly even the little squiggly line at the top left hand of your keyboard. That's a tilde. Sure, whatever you say, Brent. <laughs> the bottom line is that I don't want to be cliche and sell out to the mainstream. In any case, I don't mention my family problems too often, so I'm really going out on a limb here. Anyway, great sports show, guys. Keep it up. Faithful after Gooner, after Gooner, Jonathan Rink. It's a fantastic question. I did when I read it earlier this week. I didn't know how timely it would be to our discussion on the on the show this week. So, I, I think I think the caveat that you can't name it anything mythological is fantastic. As though he knows that's the first thing we're going to go to is a whole bunch of mythological names. It's kind of sad because. I love mythological names. Yeah, it's it's quite a treasure trove yeah. of naming possibilities. They're rich, and what I really like about them is that even though they aren't familiar, they still have this beautiful sound Yeah, to absolutely. Them. Is there another category we could do that sounds beautiful? Uh, well, like, not mythological, but maybe like Sesame Street characters. Well, I mean, I think I have a uh, almost a 2,000-page book sitting over there on the counter <laughs> of uh, old-timey baseball names. Well, we I don't want to go to the well too many times, Robbie. Oh, well, if you can't do Roman mythology, how about if we just do Roman emperors? Oh. Do you have a do you have a Roman emperor to suggest to our faithful Afriguner? I I am always been partial to Hadrian. 
because of uh, in Hadrian's Wall, the furthest point the Roman Empire ever reached, uh, up near the England-Scotland border. You know, he didn't build that wall. I know he didn't build it, but it was done under his leadership. <laughs> he vision-casted. He, yeah, he had the synergy to make it happen. All great leaders vision-cast great walls. Synergistically. Um, With a dynamism that can't be contained within the box thinking. I think we've just written a leadership book. <laughs> Annie has a student named Hadrian. He actually created one of my favorite pieces of art that has been produced in Annie's classroom. Because it's uh, it's a uh, wall. About the afternooner? No, it's neither of those things. But describing it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't capture its grandeur. So we'll just move on. So do you think his parents named him after the emperor or after the wall of the emperor's namesake? I don't know. I think it's just as likely that they just threw an H in front of Adrian and don't know who Hadrian the emperor is. Uh, that would... Actually, that would be the best case scenario. Yeah, there's a, when I was student teaching, there was a student named Portia. I, I wasn't teaching yet. It was my first day. And so it was the first day of the entire semester, and the teacher was going through the role, and he got to this one girl, and she said her name was Portia. And he said, oh, that's very beautiful, from Shakespeare. And she said, no, like the car. <laughs> <laughs> Brent, did... Uh... Did you did you have a classroom teaching gig after student teaching? I can't remember. No, I uh, became a receptionist for the government in Lansing. I was it was I was a temp for two years. That's funny because uh, I was, did my student teaching and then immediately started working for the federal government after uh, after that. Mine was state government, so we didn't care for the feds. But uh, well, we're bigger, so uh, I won. Is any so, one of us here? One way or another, not tied up with a government job. That was a, that was a clue quote. Oh yeah, it is a clue quote. Mm. How about if you have to name your daughter after a clue character? How about mm. Peacock Stone? Peacock Stone or Mustard Bolton. Oh, Mustard Bolton. Now you you guys have a, a f- some friends that you you go to church with, and the nickname for one of their kids is Mustard, right? He's mustard. He he's graduated past that. He doesn't yeah. want to be called Mustard. Oh, anymore. really? Yeah, mm. but it is a fantastic nickname. It is a great, probably nickname. not for a girl. Yeah, sure. Mustard Stone's probably not going to work, Billy. Well, we're talking about Rink here, though. We're talking about we're Rink's talking about baby. Jonathan Rink's baby. So we got to try the so Peacock Rink. So ba- we're back to the Emperor Mustard Rink. I, I guess it's true. We'll get back to Jonathan's question, but we really want to name that baby Billy, well, and we're just going to keep gravitating to that. I'm writing all these names down. Yeah, I can typing see them, that. <laughs> typing them on the computer. <laughs> well, if I'm going with a Roman emperor, I guess I'm I'm going. Marcus Aurelius, I think, is the most sort of noble name. Mm. And in terms of Roman emperors, he's about as noble as you get. But, you know, I think Diocletian is a uh, appropriately horrifying name for a family where a Jocasta might name her kid Oedipus. <laughs> What's, uh, what, what do you call that child? What's the nickname? Because you're probably not calling that child on the playground or yelling after your kid in the backyard, Hey, Diocletian, come home. Cletus. Cletus. That that that's it. It's Cletus. Uh Tiberius. Is that you think Tiberius is acceptable? Very strong name. Mm-hmm. That's great. Very, that that might be the best of the three, Billy. Sure. Well, that's sort of uh, another problem solved for a uh, faithful aftergooner. Name that kid Tiberius. Tiberius Rink. Are there any do you guys think there are any Tiberius just anybody in America named Tiberius? You can Wait, look yeah, yeah you go can, ahead. You can go to a I don't know what the actual site is, but there's a social security website where you can look up. Just Google social security baby name database. But what like database is that? Uh, Well, when you get a social security card or a social security number, 
the government has your name and then they create a database of it and they rank popularities of names. So for like the last 120 years, you can look up with like the top 10 most popular names. And for like the every, last- Every year, every yeah, year. And then for like the last 30 years, you can look up like top 500 or something like that. Yeah, but what's a, what's a social security card? You're an illegal, aren't you? Is this, is this, no, this is Libertarian Billy coming out. This is Anchor Baby. I burned my social security card a long time ago. I'm on the website, and uh, so name, what, what name do we want to check? Tiberius. Tiberius, okay. Let's see how popular in 2017, or 16 probably, the name Tiberius is. I, let's, let's... I would say it's more likely to be popular in 2017 than 1917. Yeah, okay. I think uh, when you go back all that way, you can only look up like top 20 or something like oh, that. okay. But, but I think this goes maybe top 500 or 1,000. Robbie, let's take the bet over under. Do you think it's in the top 1,000? It's in the it is in there. No, no, no. I'm saying that this website searches for the name that you put in in the top thousand names of any year, and you can go back to 1900. Oh, wow. All the way to 1900. All the way to 1900. So it's going to give us any year that it was in so the top I thousand. Can, yes, correct. Okay. So, Robbie, here's the question. Here's, here's the question. You're sitting at the roulette table, and for some reason, they've stopped spinning the wheel, and they're using the Social Security <laughs> website, and that little ball is now named Tiberius. Is it going to show up? I, I really am on the fence. I I don't feel confident in saying this, but I'm going to say yes. I see. I'm I'm fairly confident. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm really on the fence. Like you could, if you would say, "Oh, it's going to be a thousand thousand five, never got higher than thousand five. Um, I'm going to say yes, though, just to make it a little more interesting. I, Billy, is Tiberius on the board? No, it's not. I am checking. I did. <laughs> it's just such a, so, a blase yeah. answer to Robbie's hopes. Uh, I am scaling it. Yeah, I just scaled it down for men, and it's not because I think it searched men and women. Yeah, and I just scaled it down to just men, and it's just it's nowhere. Well, that's perfect. Database. So that's actually makes it an even better name. Yeah. for Jonathan and Jocasta. Yeah, especially if they're thinking about naming it like X X. T9 or something like that. XXTTT-9. That actually was 997 (laughs) from 1900 to 1920. Do we... Okay, so so Tiberius Rink is our name. It's uh, not popular, and that's... To not be popular is essentially the goal for many parents naming. But I'm wondering if if he's right, or how do we answer his question of, would it be legal to name your child, just a series of letters and numbers. Like, are there rules in America? Like, if you named it an obscenity, can you do that? It, can you name your kid, well, Satan? Can you name your kid Adolf Hitler? Can you name your kid, are there any kind of rules whatsoever? Do we have any idea here? Yes, I do have some rules. Traditionally, the right to name one's child or oneself as one chooses has been upheld by court rulings in the United States. Despite the freedom that Americans have regarding names, controversies do exist. In 2013, Tennessee Judge Lou Ann Ballou ruled that a baby boy named Messiah must change his name to Martin, stating, quote, It's a title that has only been earned by one person, Jesus Christ. Oh my gosh, this was in 2013? That decision was overturned in Chancery Court a month later, and the child retained his birth name. I would think so. Ballou yeah. was fired and a disciplinary hearing <laughs> was scheduled on the basis that the name change order violated Tennessee's code of judicial conduct. Man, the uh, you know what's striking to me about that story is not that she said, no, he can't be named Messiah. 
It's that she said his name will be Martin. <laughs> was Martin a middle name? I, or? I don't know. Or was that a family name? But the, it's that the judge chose the name. Didn't say, hey, you can't use Messiah. You're back to the drawing board. She said, no, you can't use Messiah. And I am a just getting this in. He will be Martin. He'll be Martin. <laughs> a bit more controversial. In 2009, a three-year-old named Adolf Hitler Campbell made headlines after a bakery refused to put the name on the child's birthday cake. Yeah. Uh, so there was an Adolf Hitler... I mean, there's a kid out there named Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler Campbell. Yeah, his... Uh, so his parents are neo-Nazis. A New Jersey couple who named their children Adolf Hitler and Joyce Lynn Aryan Nation. Oh, my gosh. And they lost, they've lost. they lost custody of their newest is that son. Joyce? Is that Joyce Lynn or Jocelyn, Billy? J-O-Y-C-E-L-Y-N-N. The L is capitalized, but Joyce Lynn is one... Word. Uh, yeah, that's it's fair enough. That is confusing. Oh, you get a pass on this one. <laughs> okay. But wait, wait, wait. So you just said they they had a third kid that they lost custody of. But what about Adolf Hitler and Aryan Nation? No, they lost custody of their children. All of them. Yeah. Okay. So did they lose custody because they named their kids that, or did naming their kids that tip people off sure. to look at the f- way they're being raised? They've denied that they're neo Nazis. <laughs> That's an amazing thing. Hey, uh, and I'm just going to deny right now that we're sports podcasters. The 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 third child is Hanslin Himmler Campbell. Himmler? Himmler? H I N. Unless it's a typo on here. Well, because I think wasn't Himmler? Yeah, Himmler. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, authorities maintain it was done because of violence, not their Nazi inspired name. So, so it could be that it tipped them off. Okay, but it's but authorities are at least on the record saying it's not that they named yes. their kids Adolf Hitler. Yes. So if you can name your kid Aryan Nation and Adolf Hitler, I would... XXTTT-9 is in play. The only one that remains then is an obscenity. And I think some states outlaw naming your children obscenities. I have read that. And, and what kind of, like, that's another one. Like, if you're naming your kid an obscenity, the social workers are knocking on your door pretty quickly. Yeah. And, but it's probably for, there's probably a whole host of reasons they're exactly. knocking on your door, this is a, not just the name. This is a symptom, uh, not not a cause. So there doesn't seem to be any rules. So you can go with Tiberius Rink, but you could also go with XX dash dash. Well, no. No. So actually some states limit the number of characters you can use because of record keeping and things like that. It's more of a pragmatic thing. Some states also ban the use of numerical digits or pictograms. And a few pictograms, a few, yeah. like an emoji. I like that. That has, yeah, I mean emoji. I mean, uh, I, I think emojis are in play. I think it's that or we're going to get coming emojis. Into play, yeah. I mean, if uh, if Prince, as an adult, was able to change his name legally to a symbol, mm. but uh, emojis are are going to be an option. At Prince some point. didn't. Do, Prince did that as a way of getting away from a record label contract that he was under that had to that all the records produced under Prince then went to the record label to own. So he changed. Oh. His recording name to the symbol as a way of recording albums that no longer belong to the record company. Cool. Wow. Yeah, people, that's really the story there. Yeah, people like like when Prince did that, it was a very obvious story that people could have like learned at the time, but people like willfully didn't want anything to do with that and they just wanted to make fun of what he was doing. As he was a, trying to get away from a record company. As a copyright intellectual property nerd, that is that's a much better story than uh than just Hey, I changed my name to a symbol. Yeah, it was not meant as some sort of like I'm. But why new. didn't he just change his name to uh, to anything else other than Prince? That's a that's a fair question. Um, and I and so maybe at that on that level there is some sort of like artistic flash with it. But the reason for actually 
working is because of the record label. Listen, if you guys don't want any rules or restrictions on naming your child, just move to Kentucky. It's one of the few states that has absolutely no laws regarding how you name your children. Do you and Annie need to move to Kentucky really quick based on what you plan on naming your child? I guess you could do that as move to a state, name your child whatever you wanted that your current state wouldn't let you. Coach Cal Stone. But then are they <laughs> are they making you change it when you move across borderlines? Like, I wonder how that works. Excellent question. We should probably contact Kentucky state government about about this very fact. Maybe they could just call us. 5177986187. I do believe we have a lawyer on retainer who lives in Kentucky. Let's send a, a, a he is this is another question he is not expecting from us. <laughs> Let's uh, Robbie, you can send him an email. I'll send him an email just to clarify he'd appreciate to say. And uh, if he could leave a voice Technically not on retainer. Yeah, if he well, if, well fine, fine. If Semantics. He, could, he if he could leave a voicemail with the answer to our question, we'd very much appreciate it. <laughs> so have you uh, have you done any inspecting? We can't see your screen, Billy. Have you done any inspecting of the Social Security website about the name you want your daughter to have? Bunny. Bunny Fabric. Ha- I have. I've forwarded that information along to my lovely wife, Annie, already. We'll probably have a conversation about whether it is or is not on that list and what that means. So, so if it's on that list, like in the and say in 2016, if it's one of the most top ten most popular girl names, it, is that going to affect? Would that affect you guys either way? Absolutely, it would. Absolutely, we already kind of had a heads up because Annie is an early elementary school teacher, so she sort of sees the trends as yeah. they're coming through the school, which is has been great. But I have a question for you guys. How high on that list does a name have to be before that name is off limits? And if you want, like, I get context might be hard. So if you want to, like, throw out a number and ask, like, what names are around that number, then we can do that to sort of orient you to this list. If it, uh, I mean, we've uh, we spent a lot of time with this list with all three of our kids. If it was a one time, like one year, you know, one of the mm-hmm. names we were looking at was maybe even it got to the top 10. That was okay. One year. If it was multiple years, if it was a perennial sure. top 10 or even top 50 name, that, that probably deters. I mean, all of our names are unique. They, for, they are unique. unique. And so maybe it seems disingenuous to say this, but it matters why you're naming the name. To me, like, So if you're naming it after your father mm-hmm. or you're naming it after either your mother or Annie's mother, then it should like it wouldn't matter to me. Doesn't it could be matter. number one. But if I'm just naming it because we like the name, then that's different. And so we didn't name my we didn't name our daughter because Linda is adopted, but our two boys, the names both mean something. And so I'm sure part I, I wouldn't deny that part of the interest in the names is the fact that they're not in the top ten, but there's a connection to both names that I would hope w- would override anything. Sure. So if, I mean, what what is the most common name of 2016 for a boy? Is it Brent? I was actually at the bottom. I was going to, I'm going to say, I don't know. I'm going to say Ethan or Aiden. Matthew? Those are good guesses, but no, the most common name for boys is Noah. Noah. Huh. Remarkably traditional. Are, are there just a lot of parents that are naming their child after Noah Webster? Probably. The guy who came up with the dic- Webster, Merriam-Webster's dictionary? I think most likely, yes. So names after that are Liam, Mason. Liam? 
Liam is number two in 2015. A lot of parents have seen the Taken franchise films. Well, see that. So this is a this is a a nice case study here. So why I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know why a child gets named Liam. If it's just like, well, we like that name, then maybe they change. Well, they're obviously not changing it if it's if it's number two. But if your dad's name was Liam, or I mean, Liam is short for William. Yeah. So yeah. I assume these names. It's not William, that it's just Liam. I would think so. Uh, Jumping down to 34 and 35, you've got Wyatt and Sebastian. Sebastian is a fantastic name. It is. Mm -hmm. On the girls' side, looking at 34 and 35, you have Penelope and Riley. Riley? Uh Uh-oh, do you think Inside Out is going to have, you know, the star of Inside Out was named Riley. So let's get down to the good stuff. Number 300 for men is Troy, and for women is Nina, which are both better names than I expected to find at 300. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually thinking you're going to get some more traditional names at 300 than you would at 1 through 10. You're going to get the the Williams, Brents, and Robert. Brent is not a traditional name. Brent, I've looked it up before. Yeah. Brent like spikes in the late 70s and early 80s and then just drops off. There's no, like Brent is an incredibly uncommon name now. That's until all the little aftergooners out there grew up and named uh, their absolutely. kids yeah. uh, absolutely. after all of us. Uh, for women, it's Yaretzi. It's what? Y-A-R-E-T-Z-I. That's the 400th most, 400th most common name. So that's got to be uh, like an Arab name or some sort of mm-hmm. ethnicity that is very, like it's like the top name in a, among a certain immigrant group. Yeah, yeah, you're probably well, that's, right. So we, uh, faithful after Gunnar Ben Keister, who is our official golf expert if we ever talk about golf for some ungodly <laughs> reason. reason. They named their eldest child Edward, mm-hmm. and Eduardo was more common than Edward, which throws a lot of things off. So I, I know Leo's on there, but Le- a lot of Leos are actually in uh, Hispanic culture, and so you know I am not really in Hispanic culture, so you don't see as many Leos, but you do see them when you like bring in all these cultures together. Edward is 158th. Leo is 91. That's okay. Rocky. Nine hundred twenty-seven, but yeah. Benjamin. Ben, his, his we named it Benjamin Rockwell. So that's number ten, Benjamin. So I know I throw a lot of theories out there, but I do want to throw another theory out there. We we know a lot of people who have named their children very untraditional names, and so I want to talk about why that is, and and this is part of my. It's just a theory, so you guys are free to disagree with it. But as a general rule, the more a person is disconnected from any kind of tradition, whether that's family tradition or whether that's a religious tradition, the more likely their names are going to be extremely unique and that the parents are trying to create something. And I would guess that that happens more among lower class Americans in terms of socioeconomic status than upper class Americans because they see there's less, I, don't, I mean, this is my get, I don't know. And, and I think maybe there's something in there about like, by feeling like uh, you're being ignored culturally, you're going to attempt to create something that makes your kid known just by virtue of their name. Discuss. <laughs> The first half of your theory, I think I'm with you uh, a little bit on the first half of your theory. The second half, though, I I mean, maybe I'm thinking of celebrity examples 
of uh yeah, what's the Kanye West uh who'd Kanye West have a baby with? Kim Kardashian. Did didn't they even name it Blue or something like that? No. It was some uh, it was some uh, It is something blue, unusual. I don't but know. But it's something very, very out there. Not really um, a name. Who do you who do you want to know? Kanye West baby, Karda- Kanye West Kardashian baby. I, I, I think I I think I disagree. I don't think it's just lower socioeconomic groups that are reaching for these, you know, traditionalist names. I think you see this with uh, the upper upper class celebrity culture, famous people trying to come up with something so exotic or out there because they're not attached to maybe a tradition, whether it's a family tradition or a faith tradition or a cultural tradition. Um, there's, you know, there's a uh, Freakonomics, the first Freakonomics book. They had a chapter fantastic, on, on baby names. Great chapter. Recommend it. Recommend all the Freakonomics except the podcast. We give them a recommendation below our own podcast. Mm-hmm. So Naturally. if you run out of afternooners to listen to, you, you're allowed to listen to the Freakonomics podcast. No, just listen to us again. There's nuances <laughs> you missed the first time. But they actually have a chapter where they talk about the Social Security na- baby name index and that you kind of see these trends of unique names seem to start with the wealthy and uh, the celebrity class. And then as they become more popular and more well-known, they move down into the lower socioeconomics classes uh, are more like those names become more popular to the masses more well, or less. So, so maybe, you know, like a, like a lot of times the spectrum is actually a horseshoe that the, the weight of those extremes bends down. Brent, 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 uh, this is going to be a little Kelvin skill here, but I'm not going to hear any theory or explanation that is going to make this issue less black or white. <laughs> so you keep your bell curves, you keep your horseshoe theories. Uh, it's either it's, this is a binary question. I, I think, well, what if, uh, so one nice definition of the bourgeois is that you're concerned about your status, about losing it or gaining it. And so who watches their language? The bourgeois, the, the quote unquote, I mean, these are general rules. The quote unquote lower class doesn't watch their language. They have nothing to lose. The upper class doesn't watch their language because they can't lose. And it's the bourgeois in the middle whose status is shifting is 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 now concerned with language is is mowing their lawn is concerned with all of these sort of socially pious uh, conventions. So when we're talking about names, maybe it does go to both the very top and the very bottom because the bottom doesn't care because what is there to lose? And I want to give my kid something that uh, makes him special in a world that is that is they're forcing him to seemingly be just a number. And then the upper class are saying, we make our own tradition because we are like demigods. And so both ends sort of, and again, general rule, of course, shirk tradition for different reasons. Yeah, I mean, the the horseshoe theory makes sense. The horseshoe theory makes sense. Makes it tough to debate on a sports podcast uh, of where we just spend an hour talking about baby names. <laughs> I like, well, like a name like a Navia, which is heaven spelled backwards, I, I I associate right or wrong. It, it, I just associate with lower socioeconomic status. Robbie, last week we were picking up some snacks for recording. We talked with a cashier at a store. She told us what I can't even remember why. She told us why, or she told us what her granddaughter was going to be named. And I don't. I don't remember. I do. I don't, Tell it was, me. It was MJ. And I asked was your daughter a big Michael Jordan fan? And she said, no, it's the initials of my daughter and her boyfriend. I think, I think her, it was like her name was Emily and this her boyfriend was, her husband was Jason. 
something like that. Yeah, right? I, don't, I don't know. It what was the names sort of like were. they combined the names together of both of them. And so again, this is totally anecdotal. I know, but here's two people who are like, we're going to name our daughter, or I guess it was a daughter. I, I think it was a daughter. We're going to name our daughter after ourselves, which is a fairly common thing, right? Billy, you're named after your father, who was named after his father. Mm-hmm. But here, we're going to do this really untraditional way of doing it. Um, perhaps as a way of like making sure our kid is known. Like the kid will be special because he has a special name. Whereas maybe 200 years ago, the kid is special because he's a part of some sort of lineage. He's a part of, or she's a part of some kind of tradition. So anyway, Billy, what are you naming your daughter? It's not coming till the end of the show, guys. And it, it's just going to be a name. I'll tell you though, it's it's the best part of parenting. So... There's there's power in uh, naming. There's, there's power in naming. Yeah, well, it's, so much. Power. It has only been stressful. Oh, only, really? Well, just figuring it out because we want to honor family, but we want to. There's there's just a lot to figure out. I there's remember being stressful out. with the first one. It grad every child it gets less and less mm. stressful. Well, you know, maybe I could just take a page out of Kanye's book and name one of my kids North or Saint. North that they have. North. They have a daughter named North. So it's Northwest, and then the son was named Saint. Saint West. Saint West. So there's no way their next kid is named Sinner, right? I don't know. People, I, I believe that Freakonomics chapter did say that people are more experimental with daughters' names than male names. Huh. Um, so chances are we are, we've got a better chance of getting a bunny fabrique because he's naming a daughter than if Billy was naming a son. As the podcast has went along, I think I've really warmed up to uh, Cookie Rojas. Cookie Rojas is fantastic. Billy? No, it's not happening. So uh, of the names that we've thrown out there for you, the ones before I remember, Cookie Rojas, Bunny Fabrique, Minnie Minoso, uh, or Packy Rogers, you have to choose one of those four names. Cookie. Cookie Rojas. Cookie Rojas Stone. Perfect. Thanks for listening to the Afternooner Sports Podcast this week. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. Tweet at us, at the Afternooner. Until next time. So long, Cookie. Can this be all you guys send when you like mail Jackson and be like, hey, we've got a, a track for you guys to listen to the sort of our best hits? <laughs> <laughs>